0: So today do you wanna do the like are we when are we gonna get like a choo choo train or something? It's I mean we call this thing a train wreck. Yeah. Why why do we do some guitar riff? Choo choo. There you go. Yeah. How's okay. That that, that works. There you go. Are we still gonna do the guitar riff? Yeah. Okay. Right now. Fine, I guess. Go ahead. You know what time it is, time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. Podcast exploring church revitalization, church planting, and other Southern Baptist goodies for your ear holes. That's a long sentence That's to get, get out. Sentence, yeah. uh, but I'm Matt Hensley, pastor of Mayhill Baptist, loyal fan of the Houston Astros, fairweather fan of the Texas Rangers. And I'm Kyle Bierman, pastor of First Baptist, Alan Magordo, a
1: long-suffering fan of the Texas Rangers and having to put up with your Astros nonsense. Amen. But we're both pastoring fantastic (laughs) churches in southern New Mexico, wading through the waters of church
0: revitalization and trying not to drown. Well, we're grateful for the pauses that you had today. Wonderful intro. We've started this thing off well. But we're also grateful for our partnership with the Christian Standard Bible and are oh so humbly proud to be the official podcast of the Word of God. After the show, we encourage you to visit csbible.com to learn more about a translation that is faithful and true with an aim to blend accuracy and readability the best way possible, because it is, after all, the cool Southern Baptist That's right. version.
1: Absolutely. That's, that is correct. And the folks listening won't be able to see this, but I do have my handy-dandy CSB That looks like ESB I'm, to I'm. me. <laughs> Fail. That's funny. Uh, until then. Let's light
0: this dumpster fire and, well, we'll see what happens. Oh, it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, today we hope this is a little less dumpster fiery because we welcome Dr. Tim McKnight to the show. Say hi, Doc, and tell our listeners, listeners who you are, about your family, and what you do. Yeah, I'm Tim McKnight. I uh, teach youth
2: ministry and missions at Anderson University in Anderson, South Carolina, and I have my wife, Angela, here, uh, and my four kids, Noah, Micah. Carissa, and Mariana, and our dog Jackson, who's a Siberian Husky mix who you can pray for him because my wife really just wants to kill him. So, <laughs> so we've lived here in Anderson, I'm at AU, and I'm over uh, all our missions at AU, and we've been there at AU since uh, 2013.
0: And he's been trying to get me to AU since I think we met. Oh. That's right. That's right. Cool. He's,
2: he's trying hard. He's trying hard. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. he's got a great plan for your life. He really does.
0: Hey, man. Well, today we were going to talk a little bit about... Youth ministry, and uh, I mean, looking at your, you know, video here, it appears that you're a bald, bearded, dumb youth guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you fit the bill, right? But you don't. Yeah, have... I've heard
2: that in other places before. <laughs> yeah. I seen that on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, I, I believe I might have sent you that picture, but uh, yes, it yeah. has been yeah. said. Uh, but uh, we're grateful that you've come on because you do have some experience in youth ministry. We're both in smaller uh, churches, or really not smaller. Churches. Mark Clifton may listen to this and chew me out okay. for that. We normative, are normative size, churches. Right. churches. Normal size mm-hmm. churches. Get, it. I got it right. And uh, they, uh, you know, in our case, we've got volunteer youth <laughs> ministries, uh, and and sometimes we're just grateful that somebody has a pulse and is willing to step in there and may or may not pass a background check. Yeah. So that's sometimes <laughs> where we're at. And so, tell us on on year end one. Uh, your your experience with youth youth ministry, what you've done in youth ministry, and, and kind of what you can offer uh, as we get started. Uh, your background there with uh, students.
2: Sure, yeah, I started youth ministry in Christian camping uh, right after high school. I started as a Bible study leader at an Interdenominational Wilderness Camp in the Shenandoah Valley, and then the next year as a nineteen-year-old, they made me program director, which is terrifying to me right now. Uh, no <laughs> cell phones, three-night you know camping hikes and stuff, you know. Um, I'll look back and I go, you know, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your protection over our lives. But um, started Christian Camping, worked centrifuge and 94, worked in Mobile, uh, right when that, that location opened up for Fuge. And then started uh, working in the church and worked at a small church in a small town um, in Kentucky, uh, just south of the seminary in Louisville. And is a town called Shepherdsville. And the church was small probably about uh, 150 uh, people in worship. I had a small budget, you know, part-time. And I'm glad that I started youth ministry in that setting just because I think it really gave me a heart for pastors who are in smaller churches and helped me understand some of the challenges that they face in trying to do quality youth ministry and sometimes with not, not much resources, you know, whether it be financially or people um, from there, I went and pastored in a church in Alabama. I was a lead pastor down there. Got demoted from youth ministry to that, <laughs> and then um, uh, went up to uh, Winston Salem, uh, North Carolina, and was associate pastor of outreach at a church called Calvary Baptist Church in Winston. And then came to Lakeview Baptist Church in Hartsville, and from Lakeview came to the university. And so, spent about thirteen years in youth ministry in some shape, form, or fashion. I skipped the fact that I was a youth pastor my senior year of college. And uh, so I pray the forgiveness of that church and uh, (laughs) because they let me cut my teeth on youth ministry. Um, I think when I was in youth ministry, uh, as full-time in youth ministry, we had an attractional model, really, and uh, have learned a lot from the mistakes that we made in youth ministry overall um, as a field of ministry. Um, We joke a little bit about the bald-headed guy, you know, with the goatee. But I think one thing that we have to be careful, especially having been a lead pastor now, um, we've got to be careful that we don't treat youth ministry or youth pastors as second-class citizens. Right. Yeah. When you consider the fact that every major revival in this country has started with older high schoolers or young, uh, young adults, that's a significant point. Yeah. Used to be uh, the statistic was 90% of people accept Christ before the age of 19. Now it's back down to about 75%. Wow! But that statistic alone should tell us that youth ministry is a very needed ministry in our church. And, mm-hmm. and so if you have a youth pastor, uh, if you're able to have a youth pastor and to have that staff role, um, that's vital. He's a vital member of that staff and, and should really be treated like any other pastor and not a second-class citizen, I, I saw myself as a youth pastor. I didn't see us as a parachurch, but I saw myself as the pastor to those students and to their parents, which sometimes is a challenge when I'm a 26-year-old single guy you know, with no with no uh, kids, right? Um, but I, I took it very seriously, and I didn't see it as a stepping stone to the lead pastorate. Even though I became a lead pastor, I, I didn't see youth ministry as a stepping stone to that, nor did I think that I was going to be a lead pastor at any point. Um, so, so I think that we really have to, I I really appreciate the fact that you guys are, are talking with me and having this conversation because it's vital. generation Z is the largest generation Mm -hmm. in our nation's history. And so when you go back and say every major revival has started with young people, and then you're looking back and we have the largest generation of young people in in the history of our country, the potential for kingdom impact of this generation is huge. Yeah. And So, you know, my my viewpoint in, is and the reason why I'm teaching at Anderson University is that if I can put out by God's grace, uh, people who are who are really leading people who lead those students to have a kingdom vision for where God's deploying them in ministry, no matter what type of employment they may have. Uh, I think that's that's essential for us. And so uh, so for the small church, medium sized church, large church, I would say we really need to focus upon this generation.
0: So I think what you're saying is that I should stop calling youth pastors, fake pastors.
2: <laughs> yeah. I probably need, to, probably need to change that practice and, and think of maybe, right. a, make it maybe a kinder, gentler term. <laughs>
0: You owe John Dowling an apology. I do. I have to apologize to John. That's, that's the local mega church uh, pastor here up the road, and uh, we had him on here and, and called him the the fake pastor, the fake over, pastor. And over and over and over again. So, well, yeah, I don't, I'll, I'll what what make up. I'm
2: just a bald headed guy with that a oh, That's true. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And I got I a full understand. beard now after that comment. I grew it out full. <laughs> full I, I know. I can't blame you, man. You, you, yeah, you I not mean, yeah. I was up at night, sleepless. I couldn't go to sleep. It just bothered me. so much.
1: I figured. I figured. So, um. Matt and I and, and and you may as well, we, we all have kids in Generation Z. Yeah. So we are um personally invested in seeing this generation um not be written off, you know, and 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 even in ways that I hear millennials still written off. Um oh, you know, they're not committed, they're not, you know, w- whatever. Um, so let me just ask, like over the next 10, 15 years, as our kids grow up and graduate where do you see the future of youth ministry going particularly in normative sized churches like ours neither one of us have the have the budget at this point to bring on a a full-time youth um, staff person so so what would you where do you see youth ministry going in normative sized churches where maybe there's not that ability to bring on a staff
0: person
2: well um first of all when we talk about generations right it's probably good not to insult them, you know, before we try to reach them. So that's a good place right. to start. You know, if it's Jens we C. love <laughs> fake pastors <laughs> out, you know, <laughs> or fake pastors for that matter. But, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting to me, and, and this is not just youth ministry. The future is the past for us as believers in Christ Jesus. Over 2000 years, how we make disciples has not changed. When it comes to sharing a message that is unchanging and taking the word of God, which is unchanging, and communicating that people, that has not changed. What has changed is not the message or the word, but the methods that we use in order to communicate that serve as bridges for that. And so, you know, fancy word for that is right contextualization. Mm-hmm. But, but if I was just to take scripture, you know, the apostle Paul says, I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. And so what we're what we're faced with for the future is it's it goes back to relationships. It's the same as the relationships in the New Testament, how important those were. It's essential, especially, I would argue, for mm-hmm. Generation Z. When you think of how much time is spent online with this generation, uh, when you think about um, the impact that that has upon them when it comes to depression and isolation, feelings of loneliness, feelings uh, of missing out, uh, that goes back to relationship and they are yearning for that, and sometimes they don't always know it. Sometimes they do. But what an opportunity for the church to go back to a, an early church model of discipleship, where we're actually sitting down with students and one-on-one, you know, or one-on-two or one-on-three, building those relationships in a formative part of their life and also helping to disciple our parents to do that. You know, oftentimes when we talk about youth ministry, we talk about the youth pastor, and we talk about, you know, youth leaders and, and adults who are volunteers. And that's great because I do really want to talk about adults more than I want to talk about students and youth ministry. But I especially want to talk about the parents, too. So how can we help disciple our parents to shepherd their students? And, and by the way, what if they're not a, a church parent? What if they're a lost parent? How do we team together as a staff, you know, in churches or team together in churches as members and, and, and pastors and? to reach those parents with the gospel through relationship and reach those students through gospel through relationship. So to answer your question, it hasn't changed. It still travels through relationships, but the context has changed. And so as we develop those relationships, we have to look and see what are the means through which the gospel can travel? What are some methods that we can use in order to, to form bridges for the gospel with students? I'm not going to be an online hater I'm going to embrace what's good about being online or what's good about social media and use that as a tool. I'm going to redeem that as a Christ follower and use that as a tool to reach people, which what, is what you guys are doing. You know, you guys are using technology as a tool for ministry. Same thing for us It's just look at the context, be contextual, don't change the message, don't change the word. Uh, we don't have that freedom and, and nor should we, should we try, but, but change your methods in order to be a bridge for relationships, so in a sense, it hasn't changed. The Apostle Paul used contextualization, you know, when he's on Athens, he speaks to the philosophers, and he a- actually uses Epicurean philosophy. He's the only time I think in Scripture where he quotes an Ep- <laughs> Epicurean philosopher. You know, why is he doing that? He's contextualizing. So, um, so that's how I that's how I think we need to approach it: is just look at our context and and change our
0: methods. Speaking of the, you know, like the social media or the the internet side of things, you know, when I was coming up through student ministry and, and so forth as a student pastor, uh, that was when, you know, Twitter was starting to take off and Facebook had kind of become the thing. And then everybody's grandmas and great grandmas got on it and they've like flocked away from it. Not not all, but many. And it's not any longer, it seems like, what all of my uh kids at the church are, are on. What, what are you seeing as some of the outlets uh, that, that maybe youth pastors may not be on their radar because maybe yeah. we're only thinking Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, that kind of thing. What are some others that are out there that we need to be a part of or, or at least consider uh, getting that message in that, that frame?
2: Well, I think we have to be conversant with whatever they're on. It doesn't mean that we have to be on it, but we have to be conversant and see what the trends are. And that's hard to do because those trends on social media are constantly changing. They're on Facebook, but they're not going to admit it. They're in denial. Um, They're on Facebook. What we're seeing is they're on Facebook for a lot of product analysis. So when they're going to buy something, they look on Facebook. They're not going to post on Facebook or whatever, but they look for products on Facebook. They're they're on Twitter a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, Instagram and Snapchat's where they're living right now. Uh, Some of them are living in other places like Yik Yak. Um, But Instagram and Snapchat are pretty much the two front runners. They're on YouTube a good bit. Um, And YouTube, you know, not necessarily social media outlet for them, but, you know, their videos checking out, uh, you know, funny cat videos and that type deal or whatever they're looking (laughs) at, you know, um, they're on that. So I'd say the trend right now, if you're a youth pastor, if you don't have an Instagram account for the church, um, you probably need one. And, you know, I'm not saying positives or negatives about Instagram, but I'm just saying if you want to communicate with students, you, you at least need to get on Instagram. Um, and I know some churches use that effectively, even they'll use Instagram to put out what's going on in, in the youth group or, uh, put out something, an event that's coming up or, you know, even put out a devotional, you know, for your students, just a verse or whatever. Some churches using that very effectively. Yeah. You know, I think it needs to be used wisely. Um, a, a lot of youth pastors, and I think probably rightly so, uh, kind of shy away from Snapchat, Um, Just because of the history and baggage that has kind of been carried with Snapchat because of it being, you know, deleted right away. Um, Although I do remind my students that if you go online, it's congressional record. Uh, So nothing, nothing is deleted, really. Um, But Instagram, I would say, is probably a place they really need to to be. And then look and see where's the next place. And can I join them there? You know, there's some places I probably not gonna be able to join them. Um, just because of the nature of, of whatever that social media application is.
1: And, you know, you talked about technology and there's always been this fear, I think, of, of what the next thing is in, in the church. And um, but there's a reality that technology is not going away. Right. I mean, we had it, you know, we had it 100 years ago with the, the horseless carriage. Right. And, and I'm sure there were some folks that were skeptical of that and, and every technological advance from then. So if if you have maybe not necessarily parents at this point, because I think, you know, those of us who, who have who are parents of, of kids in older elementary going into junior high now, we're pretty technologically savvy. We grew up with with this stuff. But especially if you have older folks in your church, um, when it comes to things like online giving, which I'm going to argue is a must for reaching uh, millennials. And, and I think certainly will be for, for generation Z. Um, If you have folks that are skeptical about technology, how would you um, counsel them in when it comes to technology and reaching the next generation?
2: As a pastor, I would ask my more mature church members. Do you want to see your grandchildren Mm, come to Christ and become members of this church? And I've never had a, a mature church member who has told me no; they don't want to see that. That and would so be a I, problem. <laughs> yeah, I, <bet. laughs> so I would. I would say with them, you know, if you want to see that, here are some things that you can do. One of the things that would be pretty cool is if that church member allow their grandchild to teach them the technology.
1: Mm, that would be cool.
2: And you know, uh, even I've talked to some guys who are in ministry who, you know. The Lord places us where He wants us to be, and sometimes that's away from family. And so they're thankful for things like, you know, Skype and FaceTime and other things. So if I was a grandparent, which, you know, Lord willing, I'll become one, you know, I, I'm going to teach, have my grandchild teach me whatever that latest uh, technological advance is for me to be able to see their face, you know. And uh, so it could start there, you know, but I would have them teach me the technology rather than try on my own learning curve, you know, I'll try something online, you know, and it'll take me four hours. My son will have it done in 15 minutes and wonder, you know, why his dad's an idiot, you know, can't do it, but, (laughs) but, uh, but he can teach me. Maybe the, maybe the thing I needed to do is, uh, have him teach me. And I would have saved about three hours and 45 minutes of my time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've got one, uh, one last question, question before we uh, wrap up is, you know, especially in the lion's share of our listeners or, or a normative size, uh, churches, I believe. Um, my first full time uh, youth pastorate uh, was at a church that I was going to be their first, like non, you know, non, you know, senior pastor, full time guy. So they'd always had part time and so forth. I was going to be kind of their first shot at having somebody other than the senior pastors full time, and to do that. Uh, They thought the best thing to do was to pull out all of the money out of the youth budget and put that into the salary. And so I become the full-time student pastor of a church with basically zero uh, in the budget. Now, that was at that church with a few more people, and and we did some fundraisers and some of that kind of stuff. But like we shared earlier, there's times where we might be in a church where we're perhaps lucky to keep the you know the water going and the lights on that kind of thing. What are maybe some just getting real practical here? Uh, some things that can be done with or without money or ways to maybe fundraise that's not just crazy annoying and crazy hard so that we can focus on the one-on-one discipling and the one-on-two and all of that good stuff? Uh, how, how would you answer that?
2: Yeah, I think the the discipleship doesn't cost anything, really. You know, discipleship costs a cup of coffee, and and students really aren't impressed by the big events that you're trying to put on. That may, that may get their attention somewhat, but really the thing that's going to Really impact them is do they have people in the church who generally love and care about them, and you know want the best for their lives, and so that relationship is going to be key for students. You know, students, students will um, will come to a place that they feel community. They'll come to a place that they feel like uh, there's authentic relationship, and and they'll stay there. Now there are some things that we can do there that uh, there's a book, and I can't remember the author, but it's a youth ministry on a shoestring budget. And uh, that book's been around for a while, but it's a good book. And so, you know, looking at ways that we can just just bring them together. Food is always something that's good to have around for youth, you know, youth and college students. And so, you know, just having pizza and hanging out or creating something at the church. I remember as a, as a student, my youth pastor in the summer would have just a volleyball net a sprinkler and a beach volleyball, you know, and he would create something, something cool out of that, you know? And so being that it was burning hot the summer, you know, that was fun. And then afterwards we actually would, you know, talk about the Lord and talk about, you know, a um, uh, passage of scripture or whatever. And so that was a way for him to kind of bring us in or even music, you know, he, uh, he would bring in music and uh, he wouldn't have to hire a band or whatever. He, he would either play something or play it himself, you know, And uh, we, we, you know, had music as part of the group. So there's, there are ways that are inexpensive, you know, that you can, you can look at with, with your students. Is anybody musically inclined at this church? You know, is anybody able to play guitar? You know, I played a little bit of acoustic as a youth pastor. And one of the reasons why I played is because the guy who pastored me um, played and, and he actually took time when I was a lost kid to teach me how to play guitar. You know, and I'm sitting here in my study right now uh, uh, looking at the guitar case uh, of the guitar that he gave me uh, about two years ago, you know, after after he had seen me in ministry, he actually came to our chapel and and uh, heard me preach in our chapel. You know, and I actually when I preached, I gave my testimony and pointed to him and said, that's the guy who's responsible for me coming to Christ, you know, and he wow. did it through music. OK, so it doesn't cost a lot of money uh, to throw something out there a CD or some type of music that's going to bridge with a student. But the main thing that's going to be there, what you've heard about him is relationship. It's obviously he spent time with me and it's obviously that he, uh, he taught me something and, and through teaching me, helping me with music, he bridged, he bridged the gospel in there, you know, and he helped me understand that, you know, wow, I can actually love music and love guitar, you know, and uh, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to throw that away. Yeah. you know, to become a Christian, I actually can embrace that and actually, you know, reach my friends with it, you know? And so, so I think, you know, those things don't cost money. Um, You just have to be creative and, and think, well, what are some ways that, you know, that I can, you know, relate to students, you know, and share the gospel with them that, that isn't, you know, breaking the bank for the church. Yeah. And, and those ways are out there. That's one book. I think the youth ministry on a shoestring budget, I think is a good one, good resource
0: awesome how how can folks get in touch with you on uh online speaking of the social media stuff i know you've got a website uh you do some blogging and, and so forth tell us uh quickly how they can get in touch with you online if they want to find out more
2: sure if they want to go to the website it's uh, dr tim and they can reach me on twitter at dr tim mcknight and same thing on instagram and facebook if they just uh look up uh, tim mcknight they'll see a bald head with a goatee and uh <laughs> they'll know that's
1: a so didn't give away and right there you're I mean, probably doing the hang <laughs> hang chin thing well
0: well as much as i don't wanna it's time to yeah. put out this dumpster fire so thanks uh dr mcknight for popping on with us and and thank you for taking the time to listen in today and if you haven't be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or google play or wherever you find your podcast. and uh, give us a five-star review there if you like what you hear if you don't just don't do a thing i uh, just keep on moving on but visit us online also Also at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Twitter at nab underscore podcast or on Facebook, and you can search for us, and you will probably see a video of Kyle making a fool of himself at the SBC annual meeting. Kyle, send us out. Uh, Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Dr. Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.